Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. So, listen, we started a series a few weeks ago that we've been calling the Holy Ghost, and that's what we're talking about. That's, that's who we're talking about. We're talking about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Spirit of God, and we've covered a lot of ground. Some of the things that we've said uh, is the Holy Spirit, his role is so important in the life of a believer, in, in the life of the body of Christ. So incredibly important. And you, you can see that by looking at a number of different things. We talked about the life of Jesus and how drastically the life of Jesus himself changed when the Holy Spirit descended upon him after he was baptized by John the Baptist. We talked about the life of the disciples as Jesus gave them the Great Commission the most important instruction anyone's ever been given to go and tell everyone the good news about Jesus. As important as that was, he also said, but before you do that, don't don't do anything. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of, of the Father. We've talked about how God the Father is in heaven. Jesus, the Bible says, is at his right hand, but it's the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity that is with us and active and ministering and empowering and leading and guiding. As important as the Holy Spirit and his role in our life is, it's an area where there's so much ignorance and confusion and just a lot of uncertainty in people's lives. I had a conversation with someone just this last week, someone that grew up in church, loves, loves the Lord, but they were telling me, man, these, this series has been so good for me because even though I've grown up in church, I don't know anything. I, don't, I haven't heard any of the things that you're talking about concerning the Holy Spirit. And that's what we, we start off talking about the basics. The Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity. We've said several times a lot, our attitude or some people's attitudes can, can be when it comes to the Trinity. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and then there's old what's his name. And people don't, don't pay a whole lot of attention to the Holy Spirit. But he's a member of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. And that's what we talked about the first Sunday. Just some real basics about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He's not an it. He's not like the force in Star Wars. He's not just a power, even though we connect him with power a lot. A lot of times, some of the things we connect him with, we begin to identify almost too strongly. And we think of the Holy Spirit, he is power. No, he has power. He imparts power. That's not what he is. He, he's, he's God. He's God, and he has a personality. He can be known. He has emotions. He has a will. He can be grieved. He can be, he can be pleased. We fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So we talked about some of those basic things. Then we talked about a second work in the life of a believer, baptism in the Holy Spirit, or being filled with the Holy Spirit, evidence of speaking in tongues. When we talked about it, we tried to categorize it as two Sundays. If you were here, you might remember. We talked about Resurrection Sunday, and we talked about Pentecost Sunday and how they were both incredibly significant in the early church. One allowed us to experience life and the other allowed us to experience power. That there was two works in the life of a believer. One is salvation. The Holy Spirit is active and working in salvation. But as we, we looked at a bunch of different passages, we see the pattern in the Bible is that there is also a second work in the life of the believer, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Jonathan talked to us about the fruit of the Spirit and how if we're going to be people that we're, we're led by the Spirit, we're Spirit-filled people, there's got to be some evidence of that. It can't just be talk. That fruit is really evidence. There should be things on display in our lives if we're walking in fellowship 
with the Spirit. And as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit in this series, really a, a theme that has emerged and something we feel like the Lord is, is wanting to emphasize is the importance of fellowship, of keeping in communion. Not just a, a brief interaction with the Holy Spirit at a, a revival service, and then until the next time you, ha- you respond to an altar call, you're on your own, but learning how to walk in fellowship all the time, keeping yourself in relationship, in communion with the Spirit of God. That's one of the prime ministries he has in the life of a believer, to fellowship with you. You can know God through the Holy Spirit. And when we miss that, that's when Christianity becomes dry religion. We've talked about partnership. The Holy Spirit wants to partner with you. He's your helper. God wants there to be fruit in your life that when people see it, they, they have to come to the conclusion that there is another power, another force at work in your life, and you did not manifest that. You didn't have those kinds of results left to your own, that there's got to be something else. We use the analogy of a pregnant woman, that when you see a woman who's obviously pregnant, even if she's standing alone at the store and you don't know any details of her life, you know one thing, she, she did not get that way on her own. The, the results that you're seeing, the fruit that she has, her situation, her circumstance is not the circumstance of a person who keeps themselves in isolation. When you see your condition, you know, Someone else is involved there. That God wants it to be the same way in our lives. That when they see the the joy that we have, the peace that we have, the success that we have, the wisdom that we walk in, the the, the power that we carry, that I know that's not natural. There's got to be another force. That's what Jesus experienced. In in John chapter three, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, teacher, listen, we know you've come from God. How how did he know? I know you've come from God because no one can do the things that you're doing unless God was with them and had sent them. I know there's another, it's not just you being really smart and clever. There's something else going on here. It's got to be God. That's the kind of fruit that brings glory to the Father. And God wants you and I to bear abundant fruit. Partnership. That just like that pregnant woman, you can't see the other member. You might not be able to see God, but you can see the fruit he's producing. That we are in partnership with the Holy Spirit. talked about knowing that you're not alone. The Holy Spirit's with you. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he's come to abide with you forever. When you know that you're not alone, when you know that the the presence of the Holy Spirit is with you, that's really the foundation to begin allowing him and looking to the Holy Spirit to do the things that he's been sent to do. That you've got to know that he's with you before you really start relying on him to guide you and help you and, and comfort you. And when people don't get it settled in their heart that the Holy Spirit is with me, he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, I'm the temple, I'm the dwelling place, he abides in me, he's with me, he'll never leave me. If, if you don't have that understanding, then you will not look to the Holy Spirit and allow him room to do what, what he was sent to do. He'll just be with you, but he won't be able to manifest the gifts the abilities that he was sent to to be your helper, to help you have joy, to lead you and guide you and give you success. You won't look to him. And when you don't look to him, naturally, what will happen is you'll look to other sources. You'll look to yourself. You'll look to other people. And that that is a dangerous place to be when you start to rely on yourself, when you start to look, whether it's for joy, peace, comfort, wisdom, success, guidance, whatever it is, when I start to look to myself, when I start to look to other, other people as my source, it puts me in a dangerous situation. And that's when life becomes dry. That's when life becomes tough. In fact, turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 17. We've looked at this passage before. 
but I think it's important for us to look at it in connection with the ministry of the Holy Spirit and giving him room to do what he's been sent to do in our lives. Jeremiah chapter 17, starting in verse 5, it says, Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. We just said, if someone isn't aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit with them all the time, they're going to be, they're going to tend to lean to themselves or to lean to other people. And it says, cursed is the man who trusts in man, whether that's themselves or another man, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land, which is not inhabited. We'll read the next few verses, but this is saying when you and I start to slip into trusting our, our own ability, when we start to rely on flesh, rely on other people as our source for things that the Holy Spirit has been sent to do, it actually, it's not just a bad idea. It puts you under a curse. It says, cursed is the man who, who relies on man or makes flesh his strength. And part of that curse is that they won't be able to see even when good comes. Think about that. Because you know people, or maybe it is you, you know people who have good things going on in their life, and it's like they're not even able to enjoy the blessings that they do have. People will complain and talk, man, I've got it so bad. Man, life is just one bad thing after another. It's like, man, you've got a beautiful family. What are you talking about? Life is so hard. Life is so bad. You've got a beautiful wife or a great husband. Look at, look at your children. You live in a beautiful home. You live in the United States. You're so blessed. And people, people will be blind to the blessing of God in their life. And it makes it's part of the curse. Somewhere along the line, they began to trust in themselves and they brought themselves under a curse where they lose the ability to appreciate even the good things in their life. And it says life will be like in a dry, inhabited, salty land. Life becomes dry and tough and difficult. It loses its sweetness. But, but that's not the only situation available to us. Because it goes on to say, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. You don't have to be cursed. You don't have to rely on yourself. You can begin to trust in the Lord. Lord, my hope is in you. God, my trust is in you. You're my joy. You're my strength. You're my, my wisdom. You're my understanding. It all comes from you. Blessed is that man. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river and will not fear. That can be translated literally, will not see when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. What, what a different scenario or a different situation. Instead of coming under a curse, you can come under a rich, specific blessing from God. When I begin to trust in God, he sees to it that I'm going to continue bearing fruit. I'm going to be green all the time. I'm going to be like a tree with deep roots. And even when he even when difficulty does come, just like the other person is blind to blessing, you become blind. It's like difficulties can't even touch you because you're not looking to the natural. You're trusting in the Lord and he's your supply and it's never running dry. And even when hard times come, the year of drought, the year of recession, whatever it happens to be, you just keep on sailing because you haven't attached to, to natural things as your source. There is a blessing that comes from God when we look to him and rely on him. The Holy Spirit was sent to accomplish specific ministries in the life of a believer. And when we don't give him room to do what he was sent to do, that's one of the ways that we grieve the Holy Spirit. And grieving the Holy Spirit is real. And he's sensitive to it. Otherwise, the Bible wouldn't take the time to say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. 
Sometimes we talk about grieving the Holy Spirit like it's no big deal. It's a big deal to him. It, it, it grieves him. It hurts him. It does matter to him. He's sensitive to when you and I grieve him. And that's why the Bible says, make, make sure that you don't do this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. R rely on him. God sent you a helper. God sent you one to come alongside, a strengthener, a guide. You've got to look to him. Give him room. Allow him to do what he's been sent to do. There, there's a blessing that comes with that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is talking about uh, an encounter he had with the Lord. And he said that the Lord told him, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So when it comes to your weakness, let, let the grace of God be sufficient. Let it become the strength. Let, let the strength of God, the anointing of God flow there. Now, I'll admit, I've always thought of this passage as uh, applying it to weaknesses um, like if you're going for an interview and you make a list, here's my three strengths and here's my three weaknesses, that we, we've all got a few categories where we're not, we're not so good. And those, those are our weaknesses. So you've got 25% or 15% of your life that you would put in the weakness category. And that's where God's strength is made perfect. That, that's how I thought of this passage until recently. It, i almost embarrassed to admit it. I just recently came to understand, compared to what God can do in our life, it's all weakness. He wasn't saying in your, in your weakness, like that one little area. He's saying in your weakness, in your condition of being weak. Let, let the, the grace of God, let his strength be made perfect in every area. Just yield yourself to him, rely to him in everything, and let his strength be made perfect in your, not, not your weakness, in your weakness, in your, in your, in your condition. God, I'm, I'm so weak. The kind of man, the kind of dad, the kind of husband, the kind of neighbor, the kind of friend that I could be, it's so, my potential is so low compared to when I yield myself to you and allow your strength to manifest through me. So Lord, instead of trying to operate in my weakness, I'll yield to you and let your strength be made perfect in, in my weakness. In Ephesians 3, says that God is able to do immeasurably more than anything we could ask, anything we could imagine, according to what? According to the power that resides or is dwelling on the inside of us. What is he talking about? The Holy Spirit. God can do so much more than anything you could even come up with. And he's already given us the power that resides on the inside of us. We've got to yield to him and look to him and allow him to do what he's been sent to do. So I want to take a few minutes this morning and just look at a couple of the specific ministries the Holy Spirit has in our lives. Before we do that, would you pray with me again? And as we pray, would you pray? One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is conviction. Conviction. And sometimes we think of conviction as just the Holy Spirit letting us know where we missed it. And he, he can do that. He can let us know that's not the way to do it. But sometimes it's all we think. The conviction of the Holy Spirit just means when the Holy Spirit says, you are a dirt ball, you are, you're no good, and just points out those flaws in our lives. But conviction, really, it means, it means when things become serious or things become real, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Like if you hear somebody talking, and you say, man, that guy, when he talks about that, he really speaks with a lot of conviction. What do you mean when you say that? 
you mean it's real to him. This guy really believes it. It, it's, it's real to him. So part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, one, one aspect of the conviction of the Holy Spirit is to take things that, that could just float around as just nice Bible thoughts or religious stuff and make it become a reality. Maybe you've experienced that. That's something you've always known. You've been in church a lot. And then one day it became real. To no, this, this is real. We want to pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't just look at the Bible and have a couple of nice little verses and then, and then leave here. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. This is real. The Holy Spirit's real. The kingdom of God, it is a reality that people can very easily live their entire life unaware. It's not real to them, even though it's real. The conviction of the Holy Spirit helps alleviate that problem. This, this is real. This is reality. We want to walk in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So would you pray with me along those lines? Just invite the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. I thank you for the opportunity to be with your people. And Holy Spirit, we look to you as our teacher, our counselor. We invite the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Come and, and do your ministry in our lives, Holy Spirit. Let the reality of what we talk about this morning, the reality of the presence of God, the holiness of God, the goodness of God, that it be more and more real to us. Father, I pray you'd bless us with eyes to see and ears to hear. Father, you would bless us with hearts that are like good soil, ready to receive all that you have for us. Father, we would be doers of your word and you would bring forth a harvest in our lives, 30, 60, 100 fold what's been planted. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Again, just want to talk about a few aspects this morning of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, we, we've looked at this passage before in this series. We've talked about John 14, 15, 16, because a lot of what is happening in these chapters is Jesus explaining the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we'll, we'll read a couple of verses from there again. John 16, verse 13, it says, However... When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. It says, when the spirit of truth has come, the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to guide us in truth. He guides us in truth. Even though we're dealing with truth, we still need a guide. People can take truth, and if you mishandle it, you can do a lot of damage with things that are, even though they're, they're true. You can misapply them, use, it, use truths carelessly, use them out of balance. You can actually hurt people, manipulate people with, even, with truth. So even though... We're, deal with the word of God. We still need a guide to help us as we work through truth. That's why we take time every Sunday morning to invite the Holy Spirit. He's our teacher. He's our counselor to guide us. Even though we're talking about truth, we still need a guide. He's been sent to guide us in truth. You can think of it like a knife. Is a knife a good thing or a bad thing? It's good. You probably have a knife in your kitchen. 
You probably have a drawer full of knives in your kitchen. Nobody put those there as a joke or to do something mean to you. You went out and spent good money and picked out knives. I want to have some good knives in my kitchen. Even though they're good, they're beneficial, you want them there, you paid money to have them, you still need to be careful as you handle them. You can't just reach in and grab any old end of that knife and pull it out and start cutting up carrots or, or whatever. You can do a lot of damage. So even though it's good, you still need to handle it appropriately. And the same thing is true with truth. And the Holy Spirit has been sent to help us, to guide us when it comes to handling the word of God. He guides us in truth and brings understanding. So in moments like this, you can be relying on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, help me to hear what you're speaking to me in this service. Ready to take notes. God, Holy Spirit, I want to be sensitive. What, what do you want me to hear? What are you saying? How do I apply this? In the morning as you read the Bible and you're taking time to study God's word, you open the Bible, invite the Holy Spirit to come and bring revelation. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me to understand. Give me insight and understanding. Do you know that the Holy Spirit really is the author of Scripture? How blessed to be able not just to read God's word, but to also read it with the company of the one who wrote God's word. The Bible says all scripture was God-breathed. All scripture was God-breathed, the, the, the spirit of God. Peter says that the holy men of old wrote or spake as the Holy Spirit moved them. So the Holy Spirit was the one that inspired the word of God. And then as we read it, we can ask the one who, who breathed it in the first place to come and help me. up. How does this apply to me? What, what does this mean? How does this work with this other passage of scripture? Invite the Holy Spirit to be with you as you handle truth. So the Holy Spirit is our guide, but his, his guidance isn't limited just to when we handle truth. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you in every aspect of your life to help you make decisions with your family, with your finances, at, at work, with whatever, wherever you'll invite him in. The Holy Spirit has been sent to guide us. Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. As many as are led, the Holy Spirit has been sent to lead us and guide us in, in everything. And as you read through the book of Acts, the early church was very in tune with the Holy Spirit and what his will was, where he would have them travel. They were sensitive to whether a decision was pleasing to the Holy Spirit or not. They weren't just making random decisions. You, you read phrases like, it seemed pleasing to us and to the Holy Spirit. We made this decision and it, we felt like it was pleasing to the Holy Spirit. They were sensitive to whether their decisions were pleasing to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been sent to guide us. So thank God for instructions. We have God's word and that's wonderful, but God loves you so much that in addition to giving you his word, he's also sent you a guide to help you navigate and how to apply the instructions. So instructions are good. This isn't, this isn't bad against instructions, but it's wonderful to have the instructions and a guide to help you figure out how the instructions are to be applied. I'll try to illustrate that. Pastor Christina, you want to help me real quick? understand. Up here, pouring out my heart. All she has to do is come on the platform or leave and people just start erupting and, and applause. So anyway, I'm going to give, uh, I'm going to give Pastor Christina some instructions. Come over here a little bit. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to head Southeast for about five meters. Then I want you to turn Southwest for about a meter. Then I want you to turn and travel another five meters Northwest. Okay. 
That's what I thought. Okay, so, so I've, I've, given, I've given her instructions, and those instructions, they're, they're, they're good. I have something I want her to do, something I want her to accomplish. I've given her the instructions to do what I want her to do. So it's one thing to give her those instructions. She, she might be able to, to figure it out, but how much better if not only giving her the instructions, I then say, you know what? I'm also going to guide you. Those are the, that's what I want you to do. Here's how it's gonna go. Okay, let me take you by the arm here, and we're gonna head this direction, okay? We're heading, we're heading southeast this way. Okay, right about here, we're gonna turn southwest. Okay, watch that. You wanna be careful here, right? There's a, there's a drop off here. We're gonna head all right, right back there. Careful, careful, all right? And we're gonna return back over here, and we've completed what I, what I wanted you to do. Good job. So, so with the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit will give us, we've been given instructions by him, but then we have a guide to take us by the hand and to lead us and to help us. You need to be careful here. Nope, slow down right here. No, you really want to watch this on this side. Here's how, here's how this is applied. So instructions are wonderful. Thank God for instructions. But how foolish to receive the instructions and the guide, but ignore the guide and just emphasize one over the other. God wants us to have the instructions, but also to have the guide to help us in life apply, apply the instructions. That's one of the ministries of the the Holy Spirit. He's been sent to lead us and to guide us. But again, we've got to look to him, become sensitive to him to enjoy that aspect of his ministry. A couple of years ago, my family and I were on vacation together and we, we like to go to Canaan and spend time up there. And one of the things I wanted to do while we were up there, there was a hike that I'd heard people talk about uh, in that area, a, a specific destination, this rock formation called Lion's Head that I, I wanted to take this hike and go see Lion's Head. So I told my family about it. I think it sounds fun. And none of them felt the same way. It didn't sound fun. They didn't want to do it. So one morning, I got up all by myself. I'm just going to go. It's going to be a couple-hour hike. I'm going to go do it by myself. And so I got up in the morning. It's in, it's in Dolly Sods, if you're familiar with that area. So I get up, and I, and I go on this hike. And I've got my map in one hand. And I'm excited. Being out in the woods early in the morning, to me, that's like, you know, that's, that's a, a good way to spend a morning. So I'm you know, I'm whistling, I'm singing, I'm smiling, everything is wonderful, and I'm, I'm on this hike, my, my own little adventure in the woods, everything is beautiful. And I got to a point uh, where I, I was supposed to make a turn, and if you've ever hiked in Dolly Sods, not all the trails are marked real well, and it can be confusing sometimes. And I got to this one section where I wasn't sure which way the path went. You crossed a creek, and there was, you know, sometimes animal paths, and just, it, it was very confusing. So I went one way, and then I went another, and I'm just, what in the world do I do here? And finally, I just, I think, I think maybe it's this way. And so I, I headed off that direction, but after I lost uh, confidence in whether I was on the right path or not, the whole dynamics and my, my demeanor, everything, everything changed. Instead of me, me singing and like I'm excited to get to that destination, now, now I'm thinking, maybe I should just turn back. I don't know. I don't know if I should go. I, go back to my family. I don't want to get myself lost. And I'm, I'm, I'm not even going as fast anymore because I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't even be going this direction. Everything changed. It wasn't enjoyable anymore. It became stressful. I, I didn't like this hike during that period. And then I happened to bump into another hiker and say, hey, do you, do you, do you know what trail this is? <laughs> Can you tell me literally, am I on the right path or not? And they were able to say, yeah, yeah, you're heading the right direction. And you just go up here and this is what you're going to see. And after I received that, that assurance, it went back to everything's what now I know. And, and my commitment, when I was unsure, my commitment was low. 
I was really thinking, maybe, maybe I'm not going to get to that destination. Maybe I don't want to see that after all. Maybe just go back to the cabin with my family. What am I doing out here? Well, once I had that encounter and was reassured I'm on the right path, now my, my commitment is back up. My joy is back up. This is fun again. And I'm going to go to Lion's Head. I'm going to see these, these cool rocks that, that, I've, that, that I've heard about. Now, I didn't have a guide with me, but I did have an encounter that assured me I was on the right path. And for me, that, that changed everything. And in our lives, we, our, our commitment to getting to where God has called us to go, it really is affected by whether or not we are sure that we're on the right path, if we're being led properly, whether we have the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that commitment, that follow through, or what the Bible would refer to as faithfulness, whether we are faithful to end up where God has called us, to do the things that God has called us to do. And faithfulness to God is a big deal. To him, faithfulness is a big deal. Turn, turn your Bibles to Hosea chapter 6. Hosea chapter 6. It's in the Old Testament, near the end. You can flip around for a couple minutes, then pretend that you found it and just read it off the screens. <laughs> Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. I'm going to read it in a couple of different translations. In the New Living Translation, it says this. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. This is an incredible passage of scripture because it's like God is just being raw. He's just saying, here's what I really want. Talking to his people, talking to us. You know what I want? Uh, we'll read other translations. One says what, what I desire. Another translation, this is what I delight you know what I want? I want you to show love. That, that's what I would really like. You want to please me? I want you to show love. But when we talk about love, love can be different things to different people. How I show you love might be very different than how I want you to show me love. So if we really want to understand what God is after, we've got to press in a little more on this word that's translated love and what God, what God desires. So let me read it to you in the New American Standard, which is a more literal translation. Hosea 6, 6 says, for I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice. I delight. You want to know what pleases me? What, what brings a smile to my face? God says, I delight in loyalty. This is an amazing verse. You and I have the ability to delight God, to make him smile, to do something that he just takes delight in. It's when we show him loyalty. So it's displeasing when we are disloyal. When we say one thing, God, I'm committed to you, and then I back out, I don't follow through, when I'm not loyal to the Lord. But when we are loyal, when I say one thing and I mean it, when I commit myself and I follow through, God delights. He delights and when people are loyal to him. Let me read in the New King James Version. For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. That's what God desires. Mercy, that word can be translated as loyalty or faithfulness. I desire loyalty. I desire faithfulness. It's God's expressing it to his people. This is what I want. This is what I desire. And the reason he's expressing it is because the people that are serving him at this time are, are having a hard time showing him what it is he's after. They've made a lot of claims. They've said all the right stuff, but they're not able to follow through on actually being loyal and being faithful. So if we back up a couple of verses to, to verse 4, Hosea 6, verse 4, it says this. O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud and like the early dew 
it goes away. Your faithfulness is like a morning cloud. It's like the, it's like the dew. You know, sometimes it does this around here where early in the morning, it's, it's very foggy and gray and hard to see. It can be dangerous to, to drive. It, it's so foggy. But then later in the day, it actually ends up being like a beautiful, a beautiful sunny day. One place I lived when I was growing up, it seemed like that's the way it was every day, that it would be so gray and foggy and look just like, oh, just a yucky day. But then by about 10 a.m. or so, the sun will have burnt off the fog and it ends up being blue skies and just, just a, a, gorgeous, a gorgeous day. But at, at first, that fog, that cloud was so, so intense. You thought, this is, the whole day is going to be like, this is just going to be a gross, a gross day, a good day for, for a nap. But then it ends up going away. And he's saying their faithfulness was like that. It seemed really intense at one point. It seemed like they're, they're pouring it on strong. And it was really nice. The problem was that it, it didn't last. And so that's why he's expressing, I want, I want real faithfulness where, where you follow through. I want, I want loyalty and not a faithfulness that makes a bunch of claims, pours it on strong, and then later it just actually it changes its mind and, and decides it's really not going to follow through. Have you ever had something that you felt really, really strongly about, and then later you, you, you changed your mind altogether? Something you were all in on, man, this is what I'm going to do. Maybe it's a, a diet, an eating plan, or, or you know, something that I'm, I'm going to go to the gym every day. You're all in, and just later, you're like, you know what? I feel so incredibly different than, than I did before. I don't want to do that at all. When I was first learning to hunt, uh, I was probably 13 years old or so, and my, my brother-in-law took me, it was summertime, he took me out to this farm, we were gonna shoot groundhogs. And so he let me borrow one of his rifles, we each had a rifle, and we're, we're looking for groundhogs, and we're, we're gonna shoot them. So we went to the edge of this field, kind of came through the woods, and sure enough, there's a groundhog out, out in the field, and we, we look at it, and we're trying to get in position to, to shoot it, and he decides he's going to go back into the woods, sneak further down the field, and pop out at a different spot, and see if he has a better vantage, vantage point from there. And so he leaves me on the edge of this field with, with a rifle, and I'm, I'm looking at this groundhog, and I, I decide I'm going to try to get kind of repositioned a little bit, and I'm, I'm crawling, I'm trying to be sneaky, and I've got this rifle in my hand, and as, as I go to crawl, the gun goes off. I don't know if you've ever had a gun go off unexpectedly in your hand. It's terrifying, especially when you're a 13-year-old boy and you, you shouldn't be shooting a gun at all. I was so scared. I mean, it was like I was sick to my stomach. You know, it's, it's startling. It's, it's startling on its own, but the gun was pointed to where my brother-in-law had just, had just gone. And in my mind, I just killed my brother-in-law. I knew it. I knew I killed him. I'm going to jail. I'm a murderer. How could I be so stupid? I, I mean, I'm sick to my stomach. My sister's gonna, I just killed my sister's husband. My, I just I destroyed my family. Before, before first service, I've never told anyone this story. This has been my own little, something that happened in a field that no one, was, no one has ever been aware of. So I thought, I mean, in my mind, if, it was just like, just like the hunter safety videos, they show you somebody gets killed by carelessness. I, I can't believe I'd done exactly what they showed us not to, not to do. I killed my brother-in-law. And in my angst, I begin pleading with the Lord. And I'm trying to use any leverage that I have. God, if, if you can somehow have made it so I didn't kill my brother-in-law, I'll, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll never hunt again. I'll never hunt. I'll never touch a gun again. And I'm just trying to, as much as I can, I'm bargaining with the Lord because I don't want to be a murderer. Well, it, it turns out, I didn't shoot my brother-in-law. He's fine. Oh, you guys know my brother-in-law. 
So uh, my point, this isn't like a confession. I, I, I like to hunt. I like guns, all of that. I don't feel bad about it. I feel like the Lord's okay with that. My point in sharing that was, was there, there, sometimes you, we in, say things so intensely and we're so in on our commitments and we, we're, we're trying to express an emotion or a, a desire and we say all kinds of things. And then later on, we completely back out on it and we don't, when the feelings go, our commitments go as well. Now that's just an illustration, maybe a silly one, but that's the way that some of us are in stuff that is more meaningful when it comes to our commitment with the Lord. That we'll have moments, times in the presence of God where we tell him, God, I'm gonna follow you. God, I commit myself to you. I wanna honor you. I'm going to be holy. I'm going to be righteous. And we say all of those things, but then we find ourselves in other situations around certain people when we're at work, when it's later on, when we don't feel the presence of God is strong or whatever it is. And then we renege on the commitments that we made. And God is saying that kind of faithfulness, it's like the fog. It doesn't matter how thick it is in the moment. I want somebody who's going to follow through on what they say they're going to do. That's what delights the heart of the father. But there's people that, that Hosea is writing to and people like you and I often find I don't have the ability to follow through as much as I want to make that commitment, I'm frustrated because it seems like I can't make good on the very things that I desire to do. When my family moved at the beginning of my 10th grade year, and it was a time where I was trying to get serious about my walk with the Lord. And I remember I was going into this new school and I, I was going to be a good Christian. I wanted to reach people for the Lord. I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to walk in holiness. And I even had my outfit laid out for the first day of school. I had a Christian t-shirt that had a verse about the rapture on it and how I was prepared to stand before the Lord. I mean, I, intentionally, this is laid out a week ahead of time because I want people to know who they're dealing with as I come into this new school. My intention was good. I wanted so badly to honor the Lord. I wanted to please him. I wanted to be a, a guy that made it through high school and righteousness and honor the Lord. i First week, I was okay. You flash forward six months, a year later, I'm, I'm in the middle of parties and doing all kinds of stuff that I, I shouldn't have been doing. I had the desire. I was sincere. I wanted to honor the Lord. I lacked, there was something missing, a strength, a power that I was void of. I wasn't able to follow through on the genuine desires. I wasn't able to give God the faithfulness and the loyalty that he desired. It's like what Peter experienced in his relationship with Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, the night that Jesus was betrayed, verse 33, but he said to him, Peter talking to Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Lord, I'm ready, I'm ready to go with you. I'll do anything for you, Jesus. I'll never stop following you. Put me in jail. I don't care. Jesus, listen, listen. They can even kill me. I'll never leave you. I'll, I'll never deny you. I'm faithful to you. I believe that Peter was sincere in that. He, he wanted to do that. He, was, he loved Jesus. But listen to what Jesus said in response. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. Three times, not once, not twice, three times. Not going to prison or being killed for the name of Jesus. Saying, I, I swear to you. You, you can read the story. He's cursing even young girls out in the courtyard as Jesus is with the, the rulers being, being questioned. I swear, I, I, don't, I don't have anything to do with this man. I don't know him. He had the desire to stay by Jesus and be faithful to him, but something was missing. He didn't have the ability to be faithful. Even though that's what God desires, he couldn't offer it to him. He didn't have it to offer. But then you read in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter two, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter and the other disciples who were, who were waiting. 
And something changes drastically in the life of Peter. He had been hiding from religious rulers, hiding from Roman centurions, denying that he has anything to do with Jesus. But after the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he comes out of that upper room and goes out in front of thousands and thousands of people and doesn't deny Jesus, but starts telling everyone how they too should be committed to Jesus. He starts telling how wonderful Jesus is, that Jesus is the Messiah, and 3,000 other people get saved. So that gives you an idea how many people he's talking to, if the harvest was 3,000, he's declaring Jesus before thousands of people. Then in Acts chapter 4, or Acts chapter 3, he, he and John heal a man at the gate, raise up a crippled man, and then use that as an opportunity to start telling people about Jesus. The religious leaders don't like it, so they arrest Peter and John, take him and begin questioning. Let me read you a few verses from Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter four, they've arrested Peter and John. They're questioning him, saying, what, what, what in the world are you guys doing? Verse eight says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in in any other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is Peter being questioned. The people that he was afraid to have any association with, now he's calling them out. If you're, you guys are wondering how this guy was healed, I'll tell you right now, it was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And by the way, he's the one that you guys killed and God has made him the chief cornerstone and there's no one else through which men can be saved. He's saying this to these men. There's, there's a boldness that has come on Peter and we're, we're told, it lets us know, but Peter filled with the Holy Spirit begins to speak. Why, why does it say that? Because it's letting us know, you want to know why there was this drastic change in the life of Peter that he couldn't be faithful before. Now he's so bold and he's committed and he's not turning back. It's because the presence of the Holy Spirit in, in his life. So they ask Peter and John to go out for a minute and they talk amongst themselves and they call them back in and say, okay, we've talked about it. Here's what we've decided. No more of this Jesus stuff. Let me read those verses. Skip over to verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. No, no more talking about Jesus. They, they said, well, Listen, I think we should listen to you or listen to God. You guys, you guys can be the judge of that. But I'm telling you right now, I can't stop talking about the things that I've seen. I can't stop. You can't silence me. I've got to talk about Jesus. A man that, that refused to have anything to do, he wouldn't talk about what he knew about Jesus. Now he says, I can't stop talking about Jesus, even though he's been arrested, even though he's being threatened. What happened to cause him to be someone who was disloyal and is someone with such amazing loyalty and faithfulness? It was the power of the Holy 
Ghost that had come and filled him and given him an ability that he lacked before. I don't know about you what it might be in your life that it seems like you've got the desire to be pure. You want to be holy. You want to be righteous. You want to be good. You want to please the Lord. And maybe you're not backing down like Peter because of religious leaders or Roman centurions, but maybe it's an old habit. Maybe it's an old thought pattern. Maybe it's when you get around those people. Maybe it's when you're alone with the computer and you, you, you don't want to go to that website. You just keep finding yourself going and looking at those things. I don't know what it is that keeps you from being faithful the way that you desire to be faithful. But God has given us his Holy Spirit. And one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to put a power, a strength, a determination to set your face like Flint. I'm going to follow Jesus. And it doesn't matter what else. I'm not going to move back. Instead of it always being like taking a few steps, like a dog on a chain that you can get so far and then you're dealing with the same issue over and over and over. The power to move through that and continue on to be who God has called you to be. It's not just the desire to be holy. It's also the power to be holy. And the way that we receive that is through being filled with the Holy Spirit. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've got to keep ourselves full. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what we're told in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just to be filled. That verb means a, a perpetual state. Be being filled. A continue, not just I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I keep myself full. I keep a flow of the Holy Spirit. I keep an overflow. Keep yourself filled with the Holy Spirit. To keep that strength, that commitment, that ability flowing. You got to keep yourself full of the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? It also gives us some instruction along those lines. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is not just a bunch of random instructions. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't drink wine. Sing. Be thankful. Make melodies in your heart. It's not just a bunch of a hodgepodge of stuff that he's just thrown together. He's given instructions. Instead of being drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. How, how do I keep myself full? I know I can be prayed for, but how do I keep that flow? I can't just always be at, at an altar being prayed for. It says, keep, a, keep melody in your heart. Keep a song in your heart. Just continue to worship the Lord. Keep, keep your, your heart like a, a, a worship service all the time, making melody in your heart to the Lord. It says you go throughout your day. It's worshiping God, keeping a song in your heart. God, you're so worthy. Lord, I just love you so much. Man, you're so wonderful. All, giving thanks to God in everything. So in everything that you do, like Pastor Josiah talked about last week, being, being thankful all the time, continuing to give thanks to the Lord in everything. Father, I thank you. God, you're so good to me. I thank you for another day. Father, I thank you. Today is the day that you have made. I'll rejoice and be glad. You're so good. Father, I thank you for my family. Father, I thank you for, for my church family. I thank you for the opportunities. Just being thankful in everything. And he says, this is one of the ways that we keep ourselves full. You want a flow of the Holy Spirit in your life? You don't want to get dried up? Keep, keep a melody in your heart. Keep worship in your heart. 
Lord, I love you, praise you. So it's such a good God. Just keep that flow. Keep yourself thankful. It's not just a, a nice thing to do. It says that's one of the ways we keep our, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. How? Singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks and everything to the Lord. Be filled. Keep yourself full of the Holy Spirit so that our, our faithfulness isn't like the morning fog. It's there and super intense, but then it's just gone. You know, it's interesting how often being drunk and being filled with the Holy Spirit are linked together. On the day of Pentecost, they came out of the upper room and everyone thought they were, they were drunk. They had to say, listen, nope, nope, it's not what you think. I know what you're thinking. You think we're drunk. Nope, it's not that. It's the Holy Spirit. And then here he says, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Now, why would people get drunk with wine or drunk with anything else? They want comfort. Some people drink to, for peace. Some people drink to have a good time. People drink for, for joy. He's not saying those things are bad. He didn't say that. Was, he, God knows that you have a desire for those things. You have a desire for peace, a desire for comfort, that you have a craving for joy. He's not saying that's bad. He says, don't, don't do that. That's going to end up hurting you. Instead, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That what you're really looking for, God wants you to have comfort and peace and joy and all the things people are pursuing. He just gives us the avenue to really acquire them and never, ever be without them. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. People drink for joy. God wants you to have joy through the Holy Spirit. You know, joy is important. To have joy in your walk with the Lord actually helps with faithfulness. Because when you have joy in doing something, it's not difficult to do. It's not hard to be faithful to something that you, you take pleasure in doing. Like Pastor Jonathan, earlier he talked about worshiping to him. He says, it's like, it's like getting a taste of heaven. He, he enjoys worshiping the Lord. It's not difficult to get that guy to worship it's hard to get him to stop worshiping. He's always walking around singing. Why? Because he enjoys it. You don't have to beg him to do it. He, he enjoys it, so he does it. When, when there's joy linked to something, faith, faithfulness becomes very, very easy when there's joy. And joy is another one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you from Romans chapter 14, verse 17. It says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit. That as believers, as spirit-filled believers, we should be full of joy. Joy is one of the, the fruits of carrying the presence of God. That we have joy because of our, our relationship with the Lord, because we have the presence of God. Not everyone is joyful because everything in their life is working out just right. right. Some people, you'd be shocked to hear the details of their life. After you see how joyful they are, you'd be shocked when you found out some of the stuff that they're dealing with, some of the things going on. They've got joy because it's not coming from situations and circumstances. It's the joy of the Lord. It's like what we read about in Jeremiah 17 to start things off. That even when heat comes, even when difficulty comes, they don't see it. They're walking in the joy of the Lord. Some people use the things in their life, their situation, their circumstances as excuses for why they're so sad and depressed and angry and anxious and stressed. They explain it away as, well, here's what's going on in my life and that's why. Even things that should be a blessing becomes a reason for why there is no joy, why there's stress. You know, if you heard me saying things, you said, Pastor Luke, why are you always so upset? Why are you such an angry guy? Why aren't you ever happy? 
Have you ever pastored a church? You ever had to, to deal with some of the stuff that I, I deal with? If you walk a, a couple days in my shoes, then, then you'd understand. It's, it's not all a, a bowl of cherries. You know that? Pastoring a church like this, dealing with you people. I, I could use that as an excuse of why I'm not joyful. What, is, what a blessing. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed to get to be in the position that I'm in. Man, it's a source of joy. But if, if I would do it in my own strength, try to rely on myself, it would be something that actually is an excuse of why I have no joy. Even when good things come, it says, they can't see them. It could be, I mean, that's, that's why I'm not happy. Just take a look around, figure it out. No, no, it's a source of joy. It's so pleasing. People that are anxious and stressed, that, that shouldn't be the people of God if we're relying on the Holy Spirit, his strength. In my family, Pastor Luke, why are you so upset? Why are you, why are you never happy? You know, you know I've got four daughters, right? You, come, come spend some time at my house. I've got four of them. Wasn't even planning for the fourth one. Just showed up. I, we were set with three. I made no plans for number four, but I, but I got it. No, no, they're a blessing. I'm so, my, I'm so blessed by my family. But I could use something that God wants to bless me with. I, I could fail to see the blessing and the sweetness. And it could be something, man, it's a stress. That's why I'm not. You want to know why I'm on edge? You want to know why I'm not happy? No, no, those are blessings. They're the blessings of God. But it's all the difference on what, if I'm trying to handle it, walk in my own strength, or where I'm, I'm relying on the Holy Spirit. Let his strength be made perfect in my in my weakness, in all of my weakness. Because when I'm weak, then, then I'm strong in him. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's ministry is to joy, to bring joy, to bring faithfulness, power to be faithful, ability to follow through, to give God what he desires, what he delights in. I delight in someone who's loyal, someone who follows through, will walk with me and never turn back. I can't do that on my own as much as I want to. Holy Spirit gives me that ability to bring an offering in my life that's pleasing to the Lord. The Holy Spirit functions as a guide to guide me in truth, to lead me in life. So I, I want to pray this morning, and here's what I feel to pray for specifically. One of the things we talked about, people that are serving the Lord, but they're doing it and there's no joy. There's just a heaviness on them. Somewhere the enemy has twisted their thinking, lied to them, put some kind of yoke or burden on them. I believe the Lord wants to lift that off of people and give them fresh oil of gladness and joy to serve the Lord, remove the sense of drudgery, to be able to, to live life with a smile on their face. And even if there are difficult circumstances, they can face those. It's like they're blind to them. They're just like a tree that continues to bear fruit. Just like we read, the blessing of God comes on your situation. So I believe God wants to do to people that are struggling with a lack of joy. I believe God wants to, to anoint people fresh to walk in faithfulness. Maybe that's you. We talked about with Peter. You've got the desire. You want to walk in holiness, but it's that issue, whatever it is, that thing that you just can't seem to get over, can't seem to get around. You've just been dealing with it over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter how much you desire to be faithful. That thing seems to take you out every time. But God wants to anoint you to have the power to walk in holiness, to navigate through, to walk through, to break free from those chains and be that man of righteousness, holiness that God desires you to be. That it's not just a set of desires he's put on the inside of you, but the power to follow through. God wants to remove those things from people's lives and set you free and let you leave here knowing, knowing that you're free. The next time that issue comes up, next time you're at work, next time you're with him, next time you're with her, the enemy doesn't have a hold on you anymore. You walk in freedom. Maybe you're here and you need, you need guidance. You need wisdom. You need a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, 
I failed to look to you. I've been making decisions on my own. Like I'm in this by myself, but I, I commit myself back into your head. You, you're my guide. You're my guide. I don't have to figure this out. It's your wisdom, your understanding, your leading. I don't want to make decisions on my own anymore. Like in the early church, I'm going to make decisions. This, this seems pleasing. This seems pleasing to the Holy Ghost. I commit myself fresh. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.